Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The U.S. economy unexpectedly expanded at a faster pace in the fourth quarter than initially estimated, reflecting a higher value of business inventories. Gross domestic product, the value of all goods and services produced, grew at a 1% annualized rate, compared with an initial estimate of 7 tenths percent, and consumer spending was revised lower. U.S. stock index futures remained higher following that report, with S&P E-mini futures up 14 points, Dow E-mini futures up 122, and NASDAQ E-mini futures up 37. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. DAX in Germany is up 2%. Ten-year Treasury down 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.75%. NYMEX crude oil up 3.4% or $1.11 to 34.17 a barrel. COMEX gold down 6 tenths percent or $7.90 to 12.31 an ounce. The euro, $1.0993, the yen, 113.25. Euro area inflation looks to be cooling more than expected, with prices in three of the region's four largest economies missing estimates and strengthening the case for an expansion of the European Central Bank's monetary stimulus in March. Consumer prices slid in Germany, France, and Spain in the year to February, figures show today. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Scarlett. Karen, uh, thank you so much. It is 8.48 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Ramesh Panuru, a columnist for Bloomberg View. As Britain prepares to vote on leaving the European Union, President Obama is reportedly considering repeating his advice that it stay in. Silence is a better idea. Britain is our closest ally among the European powers, and so it is often argued that its influence on the EU helps us. But it's up to the British to determine what relationship with Europe maximizes their influence in the world. We have an interest in that question, but it's not as great as theirs. If they think the EU sets back their interests, we can't reasonably ask them to stay because it suits us. The Obama administration has hinted that we might not have friendly trade relations with a post-EU Britain. Carrying through that threat would be harmful to us and serve no purpose, which means it's not a credible threat. What we should tell the British is that we trust them to make their own decision and we'll have a strong relationship with them either way. I'm Ramesh Panuru. For more View, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Tom Keen and Scarlett Foo with us today. Michael McKee on assignment. Scarlett has decided to step in. Scarlett, earlier in the week, we saw the drop in the British pound. We come back to a 139.63, but on a Monday ago, five days ago, right. if we'd said it was at a 139.63, that would have been headline um, making. And, and I guess we stagger on to June and Brexit and all that, but it really folds into the G20 meeting where the presumption interview after interview is nothing's going to happen. I don't buy it. Well, here's where I'm, I'm a little confused because people came into this meeting thinking that there would be some kind of grand proclamation or there would be some uh, work done where they might agree to come together and say devalue the yuan once and for all and get rid of this drip drab policy or not even policy approach to weakening the yuan. Then the fact that Jack Lou came out on Bloomberg television and told our David Weston that uh, that kind of thing is not in the offing. Had everyone worried? Uh, to what? Why? Yeah. Why would everyone think that the G20 
separate members, everyone has their own interest, would be yeah. able to come together and come to, and, come with any agreement. And Virginia Mazin, who nailed this this morning with her experience at Schroeder's and PIMCO, she was on uh, surveillance on television. She's a portfolio manager with a bigger, broader 60,000-foot view. And Ms. Mazin have made clear what is needed if you're going to get drama mm-hmm. is level of crisis. And we're just not, not there. there. Yeah. Willem Bowder at Citigroup is adamant that without financial instability, institutions are not going to come to the rescue and they're not going to save the day. And in fact, and his that's, shop, where that's where we are right now. And in fact, his shop only estimates 50 percent chance of a recession. So you're saying 50 50 anything could happen at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I just find it. Into the weekend, and of course, we'll all do our reading uh, over the weekend, uh, and, and of course, as we go to Super Tuesday uh, as well. But the, the basic idea of what didn't happen this week is just as important as the news that we saw. Absolutely. What didn't, what didn't happen this week were institutions riding to the rescue there's witness a, the Jack Lew interview. There's a distinct lack of urgency heading into this G20. And, and I would say a distinct lack of urgency heading into March. And <clears throat> to the gloom crew's point, you know, you see this out on the different articles that people very cautious and very upset feel. They're sort of waiting for something in March. And that waiting has to come mm-hmm. from action, from crisis. And mm-hmm. the jump moves for now aren't there. I'll give you one exception, though. I'm looking at the Bloomberg folks. It's the red and I put the photo out before on social. The basic idea of the entire screen is complacent oil oil up a dollar twenty two, except the German two year negative point five five one shows that angst for American GDP analysis. John Herman with Mitsubishi. John, what was the thing you gleaned out of this I, update? Okay, so the update what it what it told us a couple of you know, a couple of important things. One is uh, we didn't we we were thinking that we were going to go through more of an inventory correction. Right in the second half of last year, and we really didn't get it. So we still kind of have that overhanging a little bit first quarter or so. But when we, when we move past, that's all very, very temporary, transitory, and stuff like that. When we move past that, uh, you know, what we're seeing is basically seeing a pretty decent residential construction sector personal consumer. I mean, we're not we're not back in the 90s or last decade or the 80s, but, you know, we're running at that 2% clip right. of the consumer, which is, you know, relatively good. Uh, we keep maintaining that. Business spending a touch softer on the revisions, but, you know, nothing outlandish. So what, what, it, all trans, what it all transforms is to people had gotten too pessimistic. You know, what they did was uh, market participants. They, they said, gee, you know, the economy is really going to underperform this year. Inflation is really going to underperform. And so on. What's happening is the data, the actual data rolling in, is not quite as bad okay. as sentiment. So they priced just, that out, and that was like you know kind of crazy. Just because of time, I want to get to the thing you've been dead on on, and that's curve flattening. The vanilla twos ten spread Absolutely. in a very John Herman way is at a hundred basis points. Spending the week beneath that. Give okay. us an update on what curve flattening tells you. What it what it tells you is this. Uh it's like you said, it's it's plain vanilla, but you know, we're we're in an environment that, that kind of fits it. What it tells you is this, it tells you uh the economy is gonna continue to run at sort of this two percent clip. Dumb first thing. Second thing is inflation is going to gradually grind its way up to about, you know, 1.6, 1.7% this year, 1.8% this year. Uh, that keeps the Fed in the game, although people have priced the Fed out. They're going to have to start pricing the Fed back in. Uh, and what it just tells you is that the economy doesn't have 
um, sort of the acceleration to move and break out of this this sort of um, stasis. It doesn't have the, the ability to accelerate past it. But on the other hand, uh, we're we're grinding up enough that you know the Fed. You cannot really right. sort of price the Fed out of the game. You just can't do it. Okay, so, when, and that was the mistake people made. When we look at the curve okay. flattening, are we? Do we presume that it will lead to an inversion? And what would that tell us about the prospect of recession? I think I think where where you get is you're getting this on the back end of the curve. You do have kind of you know you have inflation that's up but not accelerating. But you have negative rates everywhere else in the world, and those investors need to get some kind of yield, and they're coming here to get their yield. So Europeans, Japanese, Asian accounts. I'm on the phone with the central bank of Brazil in five minutes. You know they're looking to buy treasuries. So that the overseas markets, the investors are buying, so that keeps the back-end yields low. Mm-hmm. So that's what part of our thesis. The second part is the, cannot, the economy is going decent enough that you cannot price the Fed out to zero, mm-hmm. which is, you know, people were talking about just a couple of weeks ago, oh, the Fed was going to go negative rates. I mean, you just can't, you know, you may go negative rates, but it may not be until like 2020, huh. but, you know, in 2019, but like in the foreseeable future, you know, most likely uh, you may see a right. couple of rate hikes, and there's your two cents flatter. <clears throat> you, you don't get the escape velocity that pushes the back right. meaningfully above you. <clears throat> And, and you kind of keep yourself in this game. All right, John, and in the minute we've got left with you at the bottom of your latest research note, and you are the king of granular, yeah. you have an unemployment rate fractionally below 4% out a couple of years. Yes. And the labor participation rate goes nowhere. Right. Why is that? Why uh, is that? We, we unfortunately, when you compare the U.S., this is very unfortunate, and I wish we would get more attention to this. When you compare the U.S. to the other G7 eco- economies, we have the for the prime age males and prime age females, we have one of the lowest prime age participation rates for men and women in the United States versus the rest of the G7 economies. Only Italy is worse than us, so that's the first thing. So that gives you should give you a, you know a reality check. The other problem is we have you know when you move past the prime age is we've got baby boomers retiring and exiting the labor force at a pace that's much faster than what their natural offspring were are able to replace them at because it's just it's just it's just too slow and a replacement. So you get the participation rate for both reasons, the prime age structure and the, but we're also seeing young kids yeah. not participating enough. Parents have to encourage it. I mean, um, oh, you're blaming me. I'm not gonna <laughs> you're blame, blaming me. You, I'll, tell, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this, Tom. When you look back, you know, we had we had something similar in the early 1960s when uh, you know when they did that, uh, they wrote that book, The Graduate, you know, with Dustin Hoffman and so on. Right. That that was written in the early 60s. It wasn't really the end of the 60s. It was the early 60s. And what they were saying, they were seeing, they were seeing that America was so wealthy at that time that that kids were, you know. Uh, foregoing work because they their parents. Like, this is this is the talk you get, Scarlett. Kind of this is the, on, but, but stop. Ultimately, people have to John Herman. Again. This is the kind of talk <laughs> you get from newly made fathers who have brand new babies and rail about teenagers and lazy college students. Hmm, John Herman, thank you. Yeah, John Herman, thank you so much and congratulations again on a newly born Herman, Scarlett Fu and Tom Keen. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.